0: Hello, everybody. Today, we're talking about the worst art advice artists hear. If you would like to grow as an artist and you can't afford an art class, we've got everything you need here at ArtProf, critiques, tutorials, and professional development. There's so much art advice out there. And that, I think, is one of the most difficult things about learning art outside of an academic context. And so, Mia, sometimes it's impossible to discern what's good advice and what's bad advice.
1: I know, especially because all of that content can be so overwhelming and it can contradict each other. So especially for someone just starting out and trying to learn art, you have to pick which advice to listen to and whatnot. And it's just really overwhelming. So the Internet might not always be the best place to go for solid, concrete art advice.
0: And sometimes there's certain pieces of art advice that everybody gives And so in your head, you must think, Kat, oh, it must be right, because all these YouTube channels are telling me to use the line of action. I'm the exception. And so how do you deal with that? How do you say, oh, this is so popular, but maybe it's not what I need?
2: I think that you could approach it two ways. First of all, look at different vantage points before you adopt a technique. So for the line of action, even if multiple people are saying it, if one person says don't do it, just look at the different points of view. And then the second point is find what works for you, because maybe the line of action does help with certain people or maybe it doesn't help for you at all. But before you decide, you should probably try it at least once. It's not going to kill you to just do the line of action in like five seconds and see, okay, does this work or does this not work? and understand that you might have a different way of learning things. And Mia, I think people don't
0: realize sometimes that everybody learns differently.
1: Yes. I mean, like Kat was saying, I think that so many YouTube channels and people online promote different ways of learning. And so you kind of find your tribe and figure out what works for you and what doesn't. And then as soon as you find your groove, it'll be a lot easier to pick up little tidbits from different places and know if it's going to swing or not. So you just have to learn yourself a little bit through that process.
0: Yeah, certainly says bad advice for one artist. Might be good advice for another. It all depends on the type of artist you are and what your goals are. This is one people hear all the time
2: (laughs) push it. It, Kat, is this helpful art advice? (laughs) It is so vague. I don't find it helpful because it doesn't address what you need to push. And I think that's general advice for literally anything in your life push it like try hard, (laughs) how helpful is it to hear somebody to say, try harder and not anything more direct?
0: Who here has been told this before? (laughs) I've probably been told it a million times and it's very frustrating because you hear a lot of advice, like, oh, be yourself. But how, what concrete things do you do to actually make that happen? And Mia, I think sometimes advice is super specific. You have to learn realism before you can do abstraction. But other advice is just so broad, we don't even know
1: where to begin. I know, especially for, you know, slogans and just catchy phrases on the internet to make a video trend, like push it and then have weird footage of people painting or like running with a paintbrush or something really weird and vague just so it blows up and lots of eyes are on it doesn't mean that that's good advice when someone's trying to learn um, the fundamentals of art. So I think that the longer you're online, um, the more you kind of can decipher between just people trying to be catchy and go viral and people who are actually trying to help um, educate young artists and people learning.
0: And Kat, a lot of good art advice is subtle and requires thought and insight and a word like
2: push it is really to the point but it's hollow it is hollow because it's not curated for your needs it is something you can tell anyone push it or try harder (laughs) and I don't think that that advice considers the person receiving it at all
0: This one really drives me crazy. And it's everywhere on YouTube. You have to draw every day to improve.
1: Mia, do you draw every single day? No, I think that I work on different projects every day, but I think that when you hear draw every day. The thing that you think of is starting a new piece every day or like completing something every day. And a good example for something I've tried to do and failed multiple times is Inktober. For those of you on Instagram especially, you'll recognize hashtag Inktober. It's where people try and make ink drawings every single day throughout the month of October. Good enough to post online every day. And it's the fastest way for an artist to burn out and lose inspiration and motivation is to try and constantly be active in creating. And sometimes you just need to, like, let yourself have a minute and (laughs) recollect um, and then make new ideas to bounce off of. So give yourself time to create in your brain.
2: Kat, do you draw every day? I do not. (laughs) I can say that for sure. And I think it's just because life gets in the way. Why make your life more miserable and associate art making with misery by drawing every day when you don't have the time or the energy to sometimes? It's okay to take a break. And also, I don't think that drawing every day even really helps. You need to draw intentionally. Who here draws every day? I
0: suspect most of you do not. Maybe one of you is superhuman and pulls it off. Or maybe you're lying to make the rest of us feel bad (laughs) about ourselves. I do not draw every day. I mean, no exaggeration. I can go three months without doing any artistic projects. And it's because sometimes I'm freaking exhausted. I would rather watch air debate clips all night. I just can't do it. And this puts so much pressure on people. Because Mia, if you're told all the
1: time, draw every day and you're going, I'm not doing that. How does that make you feel? Guilty. And I think that it turns some like some part of the creative process and art making into something that you feel guilty and associate negative feelings with, which is not what you want to happen to something that was originally a passion or something that you did to relieve anxiety or get your emotions out. And I think that that's just not a healthy relationship to have with something that you're supposed to love.
0: But I do oftentimes draw in a big spurt. For example, Kat, your mom's garden, you were doing all these wonderful sketches and that was a moment. She doesn't have tomatoes year
2: round. Yeah, that's true. And when I draw my mom's garden, I feel a lot of joy. I feel very inspired. And I I do feel the life emanating from the plants and that leads me to drawing. I don't try to force it. I try to understand if I want to do it at the moment. On the other hand, it's good to sometimes push yourself a little bit, not to the point of unhealthiness. You should be the deciding factor of that if that's something that works or doesn't work for you. But I did need some initiative to take my markers and sketchbook out into the garden and then start to draw. It just needs that little push. Anything beyond that, I think, would be unhealthy for me. Rayvonda says
0: it can turn joy into obligation, and then it really feels like a chore. A chore is doing dishes. It should not be your artistic practice that feels that way. So David hasn't drawn in a while. Lisa does a little bit. Ten minutes is great to establish a habit. Angie says... Once a week, Mariel says quick sketch every morning before sipping my tea. I mean, if you're going to try to draw regularly, it is smart to have a routine. So they're saying, okay, while sipping tea, you're going to sip the tea every single day. So that is really nice, but don't punish yourself if it turns out, oh, my stove exploded, hope that doesn't happen, but you're not going to draw in that circumstance. Here's another one. You have to suffer <laughs> for your art. You have to have an existential crisis every time you sit down and that will create so much inspiration for you. Why is this just the worst advice, Mia? And yet people hold this up as a trophy.
1: I suffered. I'm so good now. Yeah. I think it relates to the unhealthy relationship that people have with creating and, you know, the, the starving artist, uh, mentality that people have sometimes where, uh, when I went to school, people would take pride in, oh, I didn't sleep for a week. I pulled an all nighter to do this drawing. And if you didn't, then people would say, oh, well you didn't try. Oh, you didn't work as hard. So you're not as deserving. And I think that that's just, again, an unhealthy mindset. And it's, that's not, uh, stable way to create at all and so suffering for your art is just why suffer when you can be happy and create (laughs) i think that you can be happy there's a reality where that's possible so try and find that for yourself you don't have to be in pain constantly
0: why do you think people act like suffering is somehow something to be proud of as an
2: artist There seems to be the trope of the suffering artist, a lot of artists come from some sort of miserable life event or state of mind or even like mental health issues. And then a lot of artists tend to draw inspiration from that and then draw. (laughs) That's a lot of prominent art figures in art history. But it doesn't have to be that way. I had another friend tell me one time, am I boring if I don't have trauma that I draw from, I'm like, absolutely not, you don't need to have to suffer from something traumatic to be a thoughtful artist, I think you need to lean towards your natural inclinations, I knew another artist who did a whole series on circles, like anytime she saw a circle, she would just say, oh, I want to draw that, and it turned out to be such a lovely collection, and so you don't need to suffer to make meaningful art, You just need to be you.
0: Clementine says, every artwork I've suffered for is honestly worse than the no-suffer pieces. Literally, all they do is look bad and give me pain. Lisa says, they want to suffer to seem deep, strangely egotistical. Mariel says, so disagree. I mean, yes, you put work on your art and it's not all smooth, but suffering is such an extreme. And it's not healthy and it's not sustainable. The artists I know who have very lively studio practices, they sleep, they eat, and your art should not be your whole life. I mean, I've got kids, I've got four guinea pigs (laughs) that need me. And I'm not gonna put my suffering into my life so I can be a good artist. There's so many other ways to prove yourself as an artist. And that really should not be one of them you have to have realistic drawing skills before you start engaging with ideas or stories. Have you heard this before, Mia?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. I think that people assume when you wanna start making art that you should go with technique first, or uh, what's the word? Yeah, just technicality first and then concept. And I think that concept and idea should actually be prioritized because that's what's giving you motivation and inspiration to make the piece in whatever way that you can. So I think letting yourself, let your, letting your mind wander first is a good way to make yourself draw and get creative instead of saying, I have to draw this realistic eye right now or else I'm not an artist. Let your mind wander instead
0: there's no reason you can't do both at the same time. So perhaps you wanna get better at your drawing skills, drawing more representationally, but then you also sketch in your sketchbook. Every now and then an idea comes by and you do that.
2: Kat, where do you think this comes from? I think people want to have a set schedule. Like I have to achieve A in order to achieve B. But really there is no set schedule when learning a skill and learning how to express yourself and learn more about yourself. There's no formula to it and people love a formula, but sometimes it can be a tag team. You can draw, you can work on your drawing fundamentals and then say, okay, I need to draw better in order to achieve this idea, or I need more ideas now, just tag team it. You have to just find the process that works for yourself. There is no set formula. When did you make this cat (laughs) i might have been seven or eight years old um i'm not sure but okay i have to say i definitely lifted this from some new yorker cartoon i saw a long time ago and it was just on my mind
1: mia what's going on here (laughs) Well, unlike Kat, I made this, like, a few weeks ago, so that's where I'm at. Um, But as you can see by the timestamp, I awoke randomly at 2.30 in the morning with this idea that this girl was going to eat a fish. Like, I don't understand where my mind was at, but I had to get it down, so I just scribbled it in my notes app. And that's just, you can see, it's not very detailed or realistic at all, but it gets some idea across. (laughs) And count what happened here?
2: <laughs> I, love I was 11 or 12 years old and I wanted to draw the horrible experience of going to the dentist. There's an idea right there. It's not,
0: I'm assuming your realistic drawing skills were not back then what they are now, but you were already telling stories as a child. And that mindset of I'm collecting ideas i'm finding stories maybe i don't have the skills that i want yet but when you get those skills that sketchbook's waiting there for you you've got that archive of ideas and i actually have to say i think focusing too much on skills and realism it can actually hold you back because then when you say okay now i'm ready to come up with stories it's very hard because me uh, brainstorming and coming up with ideas It's not something you can do overnight.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the most difficult part for me is coming up with ideas and finding that motivation like uh, Kat's mom's garden and something that makes me want to go out and do something and that brainstorming and... You know idea generation that's harder when (laughs) yeah i don't even know what this is this is not (laughs) coherent what is that (laughs) but it's still some idea that i had that inspired me to open my notes app in the early morning so (laughs) sometimes the ideas come naturally sometimes it takes more brainstorming like this sketchbook page of mine is just like me trying to rack my brain and come up with some idea that will really get me going and picking up art materials
0: The other thing to consider is that ideas take time to marinate. Usually when I have an idea, I'm working with it for a while, in some case months. But you don't just get an idea. It's not this inspiration strikes you. It's that, oh, we have a little seed of something where you say "Mm, this might go somewhere and maybe it dies. But other times it grows into something else and then it dies and then you bring it back. So whatever process works for you, but don't put those ideas off because they are really what defines you as an artist. Because Mia, how far does technical skill really go as an artist?
1: Man, I think that technical skill is really great to hone in and practice, but I think that without a really great spark of an idea, it's just very surface level and can be very shallow. Not to say that every technical piece is, but when you go into it with a concept, And when those ideas uh, marry the technical skill, something really beautiful and magical happens.
0: Crispy says, learn the rules before you break them. In response to wanting to do stylized art as a beginner, I've never liked that saying. I don't think it's always applicable in visual arts. And we also have Clementine saying, there's always been this thing where people believe that realistic art is better and more impressive. Well, Kat, I've noticed that's an internet thing. That's not really a gallery or in real life situation have you seen
2: that maybe not just a gallery or um I'm sorry it's maybe not just an internet thing but it's more of a ignorance kind of thing anybody who doesn't really know art and surround does not surround themselves with art will probably see a beautiful drawing of an eye and say whoa that's a pretty eye it must be amazing art because they just don't know what's out there and so another aspect of creating art that has substance, that resonates with you, is also finding the right community to share it with. You have to be able to
0: draw from imagination to be a good artist. Well, if this is true, I'm a terrible artist because (laughs) I feel like you two know how to do, I am lost. I have to have a reference. Now, I certainly make a lot of changes and I manipulate that reference, But I am so afraid of drawing from imagination, which is probably why I can't do it. But Mia, where do you think this comes from? Because I know a lot of people give themselves a really hard time.
1: And it's almost like this is a stamp. Once you can do this, boom, you're fantastic. Yeah I think that in the art realm there's a lot of gatekeeping when it comes to what makes you a quote-unquote like real artist like when can you call yourself a real talented artist and I think that lots of kind of pretentious people might say like oh you didn't make that hyper-realistic uh landscape scene like with with the without a reference you're not a real artist that's cheating and I think that there's a big difference between using something to study with and like practice with and taking your own reference photos and putting in the work that way that people really just brush over. Because there is an art to taking really amazing reference photos that people just wash over because, oh, you're, you need help. That means that you're not a talented artist. And I think that that's not a really great way of taking it.
0: Kat, I always think about you as the queen of
1: reference
0: photos, and you've got major drawing chops. You can draw from imagination, and yet you are really dedicated to this process.
2: That's because I see the pros and cons of everything. I mean, a pro to drawing from imagination, it's cool. Not a lot of people can do it, but the con is I'm really up in my own head, and that's such an honestly, a very egotistical way of thinking that, oh, I can just imagine anything, when really there's a whole world of substance out there, a whole world of things that are so much bigger than yourself. And so that's why I always do go to reference photos. I do go to inspiration that's outside of my own head, because I'm just one person. And the world has millions, billions of things to be inspired by. Also, I get ideas
0: from reference photos. I worked with a model who is an actress to shoot these reference photos and I I didn't tell her how to pose. I just said, here's the emotion, here's the action, do something. And because she was an actress, she was very good at it. And this pose, I didn't tell her, okay, put your hand here, stick this here, now pose it. This just happened. And so sometimes people think, oh, you need to know in advance what you want it to look like. And you'll find that reference photos can be very sophisticated. They can really be a part of your process. Now, Mia, the artwork I did here is this ink wash drawing on the bottom. It's really, really simple. And some people might say, oh, it's so simple to silhouette. You don't need a reference photo. But why do you think I bothered? (laughs)
1: I mean, I think that the reference photo captures a specific emotion that is related or translated into your ink wash drawing. And I think that reference, it doesn't have to serve as a just copy paste thing. I mean, I go on my photo roll, my camera roll and Pinterest and all these things to really find a mood or an essence to try and repurpose and uh, portray originally in my own art. And I think that everyone uses reference differently uh, for their own practice, which is really cool.
0: Good point from Ashton who says, this quote makes me feel like I'm not creative because I require a reference. References, it's not cheating. It is being smart. It's doing your research and understanding your concept and getting ideas. So anybody here, and tell us in the chat, who here has been told this before? oh, it's cheating or whatever. And people judge you for that online. It's very frustrating when you say, oh, I did this as a reference. People are like, you're not good. You, if you could draw better, you wouldn't need a reference. So Don't listen to this crap. <laughs> Here's another one. And this is so outrageous. I can't believe anybody thinks this ever. You have to make masterpieces all the time. Kat, how often do you think you pull off a piece where you're like, yes, slam
2: dunk? <laughs> uh, <laughs> not ever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> because I think that once I say, oh, this is my uh, magnum opus, I really feel like I'm limiting myself to that moment in time. I'm like, oh, this is the best, the masterpiece of my life. This is the best I can do. Well, what about the future? You can always get better and better and better. And I think that having the mindset of, oh, I have to make a masterpiece every single time, severely limits yourself from making mistakes. And you can make, um, you can learn so much from making mistakes. In fact, that's how people learn. It's touch and go. I mean, this is what I look like most of the
0: time <laughs> when I'm making art. I'm just very grouchy because so much of that exploration is frustrating and not clear cut. And most of the time I'm making stuff like this. This is supposed to be a cat, if anybody could tell. And that's part of the process. If you get into the mindset, I have to make this really
1: good. How is that a major limitation, Mia? I think that it paralyzes you. At least it paralyzes me, especially before I'm going into something. I have to say, okay, how is this different than what everyone else has said before? It's just all of those creeping artist anxieties that paralyze you and you can't make anything. So that's why I included some images here of just funny things that I make to get myself creative. Um, And so it's not what I normally do, but I can do something that's lighthearted and funny and gets myself drawing just for the sake of making art. And it doesn't have to be this huge, amazing game-changing thing. Cause that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself when you're going into a new piece
0: so i've been working on moulin rouge fan art as some of you may have seen this one was so bad i couldn't bring myself to post it on social media which is really unusual for me because most of the time i'm like oh the learning experience people need to see but this one was such a car crash it took me like two weeks to show it and this (laughs) one What is, like, I was genuinely upset after I did this piece. I'm like, how am I ever going to capture this if he looks like a horror movie? I mean, this is the last thing it's supposed to be like. And you have to do this because we also have Manette who says, this is the one that trips me up, but I think it more comes from the feeling like I'm wasting my supplies by extension money by not making good pieces all the time. Do you feel like that's fairly common for people, Kat?
2: I do think that's common. But, I mean, you have to get, you have to do something to get somewhere, right? And I don't think it's a good mindset to think I'm wasting supplies by making not good art. No, you are using the supplies in the way they are meant to be used. And you're learning from it. Those are necessary tools and experiences.
0: yeah. And a big part of it, Diane Zon says, I find it hilarious that I make my best works when I don't care at all. You think it'd be the opposite, Mia, that oh, I'm I'm really invested. But then it's almost like you get um what's it performance, whatever? I don't remember. Performance
1: anxiety or something like performance
0: that. Performance anxiety. And so actually the days that I do the best is when I'm working on something, I say, oh, screw this,
1: whatever. And then I make good work. <laughs> Yeah, I completely relate to that. I think that sometimes when you don't care, you find yourself just making it and going along and kind of it happens to you and through you. And when you're just sitting there waiting and you're like, "Okay, this has to come to me because this is the most important thing ever. It will just be stagnant and fall short. And then you're just going to get frustrated and that frustration will come through in your piece, which is never good. There's
0: so many opportunities to learn art now. I think it's amazing, but like some of these other concepts, it's just too much. And so there is, I think, sometimes an assumption that if I take an art class, I'm going to get better. If I watch this tutorial, I will understand things. But Kat, I often actually think it's rare to get an art class or tutorial that really genuinely
2: helps you. As mentioned before, people learn in different ways. So not any art class is going to help you. I think the other thing people need to be aware of is what will help you is your own drive and ambition. And so it's not good to rely on some other source like, oh, someone else's art class or a random tutorial posted online. It's really up to you to seek those things out and decipher what is truly driving you forward.
0: Mia, I think you did grow up with YouTube, unlike me, but I'm sure you watched a handful of tutorials. And did they all help?
1: I mean, honestly, they were cool because, I mean, I didn't really learn a lot. I just kind of enjoyed watching other people make art. But when I kind of turned around in high school and said, "Okay, I don't actually know anything. What was all that YouTube for? Um, It was like kind of disappointing. And I think that. That was because, again, people trying to get views, people trying to kind of make money, going at it for the wrong reasons, for more entertainment's sake over education's sake. So I think being able to differentiate those two things is important in the realm of the internet.
0: The extreme version is somebody who's really, really teaching something, but is boring. And then there's people who are super entertaining but you don't really learn very much. And I think the sweet spot is somewhere in the middle where somebody really sustains your attention, but you really are seeing the nuances because Kat, learning is not always so straightforward. It's not fast. And it does take brain energy to really process something on a deeper level.
2: And there are so many things that make uh, certain information accessible to you One way to make it accessible is to make it entertaining, something you truly do want to consume and sustain your attention. The other point of accessibility is just formatting. Some people learn better through doing, other people learn better through watching, other people learn better through reading. And so you really have to find and curate the right kind of information you take in.
0: Angie says, tutorials use a lot of dramatics. You have to draw like me to improve. And I've seen that a lot, Mia, where the tutorials are not about fundamentals or teaching you color theory, but it's draw like me.
1: Yeah, I think it's a lot about style these days. And something that I've seen recently is people posting their art online. And in the comments, it's kind of a shift. People are like, oh, you stole this from this artist. When in fact, the person might be just watching those people's videos to learn or using tutorials by that person to learn. And now they can only draw on that one style because that's the only thing that they're taking inspiration from. So I think that it's cool to make art, I guess, but you have to be original about it and kind of learn in your own original way instead of just kind of copying what someone else is preaching.
0: Learning is hard work you don't learn quickly and i like what Clementine's saying most art tutorials nowadays give tricks you can't actually apply anywhere outside their narrow intended use i have found Kat, that foundational concepts are very hard to teach because they are the root of everything so if you say to yourselves oh i can pipe acrylic through this pastry bag I mean that's fun but that doesn't apply fundamentally to other art fields. And the thing is the stuff that takes time to understand, a lot of people don't want to do it.
2: Yeah, I mean to have a thorough knowledge of anything, it takes time, effort and resources, which is what our prof can provide, resources. <laughs> I think a lot of the fundamentals of art are sort of They're really focused on in art profs such as light and shadow, form, shape, color, line. These are all things that go beyond just their intended field. They go into every single kind of art field. But again, there aren't a lot of really great resources online to learn those fundamentals and make those fundamentals attractive to learn. I hope we do a
0: somewhat okay job making that happen. We're trying at the very least. Here's another one. You have to learn realism before you can do abstraction. Now, Mia, again, where does this come from? Because not everybody wants to draw realistically. It's a waste of time for some people.
1: Yeah. I mean, I started doing these little swirly ballpoint pen drawings um, at the end of my freshman year of college after I was kind of forced to do realism and technical things all the time. And I kind of was like, I am so burnt out. I don't want to make anything. Uh, what will get me drawing in my sketchbook again. And so I started doing these and I found that I was able to learn a lot about shape and value and composition and contrast just through these. And there's not really um, a discernible image or recognizable image in them. So there's a lot that you can learn through abstraction as well if it comes naturally to you.
0: Kat, this is an animation that DeepD did. And the shapes are super simple. There's no realism involved here. But why is this still a really cool animation? You guys can see it
2: on Deepti's Instagram. I think because it's just such a celebration of shape. Look at all those shapes and color. And how does one warp into the next? And I think finding that transition is an important learning tool. What makes shapes change shape? What makes color change color?
0: Captain Blee says, I call the realism to abstract a narrative, the Picasso myth. I mean, I believed it when I was in art school and actually there's a very, very old Picasso painting that he did at the very beginning of his career. That is very realistic. And I remember <laughs> he pointed it, I was like, see, Picasso learned realistically. And then he went into Cubism, see, you have to do realism first and for some people that makes sense i was terrified of abstraction i never wanted to do it and so for me i had to have a better grounding of my skill set but also mia i think a lot of it is this almost hierarchy that people say oh realism isn't better abstraction that's easy just throw some stuff onto the canvas but that's not what lauren's painting is
1: no, I think that Lauren is coming at it with um, you know, a mind full of concept and ideas and thoughtfulness that uh, I do think that abstraction kind of has a bad rap in that regard because of people who um, kind of appropriate and take it for granted and use it for like quick views and m- to make people upset or angry or just to try and get into the art world for the wrong reasons. And I think that these have... Um, really thoughtful meaning behind them. And you can tell that Lauren has real passion for these colors and patterns and like the, the overall expression of the feeling is there. And I think that's, you can tell based on these images. So abstraction holds a lot of weight, just as realism does.
0: Kat, I think we've all heard, oh, it's just cartoons. That's so easy. I totally disagree with that. I think really good comics and character design I think that's extremely difficult to do in some ways because you're working with less. You're not rendering every shadow, you're distilling a character into sometimes just a few shapes.
2: That's true. And when you distill something into something so simple, every move matters (laughs) and you cannot have any extraneous moves in that case. So to be able to speak more with less is such a powerful skill. But I will say that I think that Jordan has had his share of both realism and abstraction. And so not to say that there's a formula that you have to learn one before you learn the other, but I do think it's important to just expose yourself to different methods of thinking, methods of creating, and then pick and choose what's working for you.
0: This concept that there's an order you have to learn things in, just throw that out, everybody, okay? Because sometimes I learn something because in the moment I'm like, oh, shoot, I don't know how to do that. Okay, let's go learn <laughs> other times you you can have more of a program for yourself where you say okay well i'd like to work on this then i'll work on this and that's fine it's there's no problem with having an order it's just if you create that order based on what somebody tells you that is the best for you that's not always the best fit although i know some people really just need guidance they need to be told okay maybe do this first but it's a recommendation and every single artist who i talk to I recommend something different. I don't have a formula that I just say, okay, I use this. Everybody can learn from this. It's not true. I like to customize things for people so that way it's more about them and their learning style. If you do want to learn how to study art, we do have this stream, which is really fun. We have a workshop this May, which is professional development. <laughs> We're going to talk about artist applications, exhibiting your art, artist websites, and commissions, and whatever other professional development uh, topic. (laughs) Okay, next slide. (laughs) Discord stage. We are doing a Discord stage session after this stream. Please meet us and the post live stream stage channel. And this is super fun. This is where you get to chat with us on voice. Join our Patreon group. It is such a fun group and I'm very excited. Actually, when I'm going to, I think I might be going to Canada in June. I'm very excited to meet up with a whole bunch of you. You can share your art in weekly voice sessions. You can get support and critiques from me. I do not provide critiques in the public channels. And most of all, you find support in a small group of artists. Our server is huge now. We have over 11,000 members, and it's easy to get lost and to foster closer connections. And that is much more possible in the Patreon group. ArtProf has services. We have artist calls, personal art curriculums, artist statement editing, portfolio critiques. Big thank you to our top Patreon supporters, some of whom have been supporting us for years which is extraordinary to me that all of you are here for us. So thank you so much. Visit artprof.org. We have so much content on there that's not on YouTube. The best way to use it is to type whatever you're interested in into the search bar. ArtProf has a podcast it's available on Spotify and also on iTunes. And subscribe to our channel for more tutorials, critiques, and business tips. Everybody, thank you so much for watching. We'll see you next time. Bye.